1: Are we recording?
2: It's still not connecting. Okay, now we are. Excellent. Hi,
1: welcome to Horror Versus Reality. I'm Anastasia, and this is Morgan.
2: Hi, I'm Morgan. <laughs>
1: uh, today's episode is 1996's Scream versus. The Gainesville Ripper Mm. Morgan, this guy's a piece of work He's a piece of shit I hate this guy
2: I'm glad he's dead
1: Yeah, (laughs) he is pretty terrible Um, Also, Scream is the film that revitalized uh, Wes Craven's career Heck yeah because at that point in his career, uh, 1996, he had been con- pretty continuously putting films out. But a lot of them weren't the hits that, say, Nightmare on Elm Street were. I just said that really strangely. Yeah, I was
2: like w- night- Nightmare. <laughs> I had a stroke
1: in the middle. Um,
2: <laughs> Do you spell that word?
1: A Nightmare on Elm Street. There we go. Um yeah, not <laughs> not all of them were as successful as that. So like in between, from like and also somewhere in the late 80s he kind of renounced those films and was just over the nightmare ones. Um and you know, he didn't direct all of them. He only directed and I think he wrote the first one. I'm pretty yeah, he did. I was I was like I'm pretty sure. I watched um, a documentary like, I don't know, six months ago on Nightmare on Elm Street and all the films called um, Never Sleep again. Hmm. again. It's really good. It's like so in-depth. It's all, it's all you'll ever have to need if you want to know more about those movies.
2: What's it called again?
1: Uh, Never Sleep Again.
2: Yeah. I it's already have Shutter. a problem with sleeping, so I don't know. No, (laughs) just kidding.
1: I mean, me too. (laughs) Clearly, just a reference to Freddy (laughs) and how they all become insomniacs because they don't want to sleep and, you know, confront him.
2: Yeah, that movie scared me as a kid.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it? That scene that really lasts with you is the couple that's fucking and then, like, she gets lifted up onto the ceiling and oh, God. gutted by Freddy, and you can't see him. And so it looks like it's just, like, it's really a surreal scene. Yeah. Oh, my It's God. great. Yeah. I have to watch that movie again. I fucking love that movie. But you know what's weird? Like, obviously, every, when, when you talk about a uh, series like that, of course, the first one is usually the best one. But often when people ask the question like, oh, what's your favorite one out of the series? They don't really expect you to say the first one. It's like the first one is clearly like the best one. It's like a known thing usually to, you know, for most of those type of uh, series. So mine's actually the fifth one.
2: The fifth one. I don't the even fifth... know if I saw that.
1: So the fifth one's really stuck with me as a kid. And I don't know why, but it really stuck with me. But there's a scene where Freddie has essentially uh, got uh, two or three of the kids in a dream loop. So, like, Mm. things keep happening over and over again. Um, And they keep... So they're in a Jeep or something, and they're driving around the square, and they keep ending back up at the same place. And while that's happening, um, the other girl... She's, like, working out and, like, pumping iron in her, like, on a weight bench in her uh, garage. And Freddie like, shrinks her and traps her in a roach motel. (laughs) What? Yeah.
2: Is she stuck on the sticky part?
1: It's very Kafka. (laughs) Like, you know, the metamorphosis. Yeah, yeah, it's very Kafka because I think she does end up a roach in there and then squished. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's number it's so- four. It's the fifth one.
2: Oh, the fifth one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the fifth one because the f- it's not the Dream Master because that's number four. Wait,
1: maybe it is the fourth one. What's the fifth one called?
2: Uh-huh. Um, I my number lock is off. (laughs) Me too.
1: (laughs) You don't even know Mark's mechanical keyboard had like this weird number lock glitch, and he's had a whole problem
2: with it. Do we have the same computer? No. Uh, Dream Child is the fifth one. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a baby.
1: Oh. Uh, a the
2: pregnant F- Alice F- finds Freddy Krueger striking through the sleeping mind of her unborn child. Oh, right, right, right. Hoping to be reborn into the real world. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't try that. Um, you there? Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm reading the synopsis to make sure that this is the right one. Um. Did I skip over that part?
2: I don't know.
1: I think you're right. I think it is. the f- This one is the one with that scene. And I just got which number mixed up. Because, you know, they do kind of blur a little bit.
2: And... Yeah. I don't know how many I've seen...
1: I've seen all of them. Yeah, I've seen all of them.
2: I think I've only seen the three, but four looks really familiar.
1: Have you seen Freddy versus Jason?
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, um, let's not get super off the rails right at the beginning yeah, of this. Right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this is your first time listening to us, I recommend listening to something earlier first (laughs) so that you really love us and get the feel for us before you get to this
2: stage in the show. (laughs) Thanks. So scream.
1: Yeah, scream. So, uh, yeah, it revitalized Wes Craven's career in a lot of ways because from, like, Nightmare to, um, say, People Under the Stairs... And uh, New Nightmare. They're Those just...
2: That again. What? Sorry, um, off topic again. They're remaking that.
1: They're remaking Children New Nightmare? Stairs. Oh, I knew they were remaking People Under the Stairs. Um, yeah, I think uh, Jordan Peele's producing it. Heck yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because it centers around a little African-American boy and um, he gets trapped in this like evil uh, Caucasian person's house. And they're, like, the epitome of, uh, like, rich snobs, but they're also fucking weirdos. Yeah. They've got, like,
2: people locked
1: in their basement. <laughs> and one's, like, a gimp. There's a lot
2: of shit going on in that movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a lot of stuff to unpack.
1: Yeah. And it has Rayanne from um, uh, My So-Called Life.
2: Oh, nice. She's, like,
1: the daughter. I didn't know that. Yeah. I can't think of a lot of things that I see that actress in. I'm trying to think of her name. I'm sorry that I don't remember your name. Actress that isn't Claire Danes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. So anyway, let's get to uh, some of the production details. And by that, I mean Scream came out in 1996, directed by Wes Craven, as I've already mentioned. Um, produced by Kathy Conrad and Carrie Woods, written by Kevin Williamson, <clears throat> starring David Arquette, Niv Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and, of course, Drew Barrymore, who has the most amazing opening scene since Psycho in a movie.
2: Yeah. I I liked how they... They used her, like, at the beginning. She was such, like, a huge A-lister, you know? And they, like, immediately killed her off.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And And you know what? Um, So, a little backstory. What the hell is happening? Sorry, my mouse is, like, off the rails. I think, like, that episode of Futurama, his computer is just going to attack me pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's being really weird. Um, anyway, but uh, yes, so originally she was supposed to be Sydney, the character played by Niv Campbell, um, but she uh, came to Wes and them and because they were looking for someone really famous to play that first role, that opening scene role. They wanted it to be like an homage to Janet Leigh um, and Psycho, but uh, Drew just came to them and was like, look, man. I really want to do this part. Like, I don't want to be Sydney. I want to be Casey. I want to be the chick that gets murdered. <laughs> and it was a great decision on their part to do that. She plays it so well and earnestly, honestly. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. She's like... <clears throat> you know, walking around, being such like a typical teenager, kind of fiddling, kind of being almost flirty and bratty with him at first, until she realizes that, you know, he knows things that he shouldn't, and her it's clear that her life's in danger.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't it... hang up on me, bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Um, another fun fact is that guy who does the voice He's not, he's literally only hired to be the voice. He's not any of the other actors. And they hid him on set so that Drew would never see his face, so that it would be that unknown fear. Ooh, that's creepy. Right? I love when they do method things like that. I mean, there's a line there like maybe Christian Bale shouldn't have lived on one can of tuna and one apple during the filming of Ma- The Machinist. <laughs> but like this is a good use of it
2: <laughs> yeah like they tell her like when she gets on set okay uh, so the voice actor is actually Gilbert Godfrey and she's like oh shit and then it's not Gilbert Godfrey at all
1: No, more, more like hey so he, <laughs> the voice he's over in that tent
2: so avoid that tent today <laughs> more like Gilbert Godfrey yeah <laughs> Can you imagine him doing that phone call? You wouldn't be able to take it seriously. <laughs> I know. And, and and another thing, because
1: um there weren't that many years in between um Aladdin and Scream, like maybe three, two, something like that. So him being the parrot in that would have been like really fresh on people's minds, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> How could you possibly take it seriously? <laughs> like,
2: Listen to me, you stupid bitch. <laughs> I can't do Gilbert Godfrey at all. Um, yeah, it was great, Morgan. <laughs>
1: uh, it was not at all accurate,
2: but it was funny. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs>
1: Okay, so the is as follows. High school student Casey Becker receives a flirty phone call from an unknown person during which they discuss horror movies. However, the caller turns sadistic and threatens her life. So this is what we were just discussing. So after that, Drew Barrymore is like, hey, um, like, you should just really not you know, threaten me and shit. My boyfriend will be here soon and he's big and he plays football. (laughs) He lifts weights. Yeah. And, uh, then the, uh, the caller's like, turn
2: on the porch light. (laughs) That was terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so she turns on the porch light And her big beefy boyfriend Is tied up and duct taped And he's clearly also been beaten a little bit He's bleeding So yeah, he's tied to a chair on the patio And now it's like, ah oh, shit I'm really not safe <laughs> So Drew, like, her... can we
2: Yes What? Can we discuss How many fucking Doors and windows that house Has We can. In fact, they did that on purpose. That's so crazy. She locks like six doors, and I swear she goes back and locks them all again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They wanted a house that had tons of windows because they wanted it to feel
2: voyeuristic and not safe, kind of. Oh, yeah, that's how uh, the real killer was. He liked peeping in the windows.
1: Yeah, so they really just wanted a house that had tons of windows and stuff um, so that it would seem really uh, spooky and voyeuristic.
2: Ugh. So creepy.
1: Yeah. They wanted it to be able to, you know, for you to feel almost like people could be watching you because there's so many fucking windows. (laughs) Uh, And they, you know... The script was actually written to look a little different, and he just changed blocking and stuff with how the house was because it was so good.
2: Yeah, I swear she locks the same door twice. Like, I think, I, she, I think she does. Yeah, I rewound it, and I was like, um, well, I didn't re. I guess, yeah, you're still rewinding it. There's no tape anymore, but you're still going back. So, like... I rewound it, and I was like, that's the same fucking door. She locks it twice. Yeah, sorry. How does that (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, I understand. Um, (laughs) uh, I would definitely still call it rewind. They do on DVD devices.
2: Yeah, right? You just don't wind anything anymore. It's weird. No,
1: you don't wind anything anymore, but it had already become, like, the vernacular because of...
2: VCRs. Yeah, so. like rolling down the windows. Like you can't pantomime, mm-hmm. like <laughs> push the button. Push the button. You're right. Yeah, you have to like roll down the window. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of things are, <laughs> a lot of our uh, phrases and stuff are holdovers from past
2: technology. Yeah, like the save button. It's still a floppy disk. Yeah,
1: it's still, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great point. So, um, back to uh, Drew Barrymore <laughs> in the house. Yes, right? So Drew Barrymore uh, realizes that you know, shit's bad, and she starts crumbling immediately. She's in full tears, you know, she's like crouched by the TV, and he's like, and then he starts asking her, like, Questions like horror movie themed questions, and she's she just, she, you know, what she says a lot. She says, Please don't do this, please don't do this. It's like, Well, I mean, clearly, he already is, like, yeah, he's still going to, like, maybe think of something else to say. Um, but whatever. Uh, so he, you know, the famous question that he asks her is, You know, who's the killer? and Friday the 13th and she says it's Jason but it's not Jason it's Pamela Voorhees it's his mother Jason first shows up at the very very end of Friday the 13th and he looks like a mongoloid he pops up and grabs the chick in the boat and that's the end and then he doesn't actually like do any like crazy killing and uh until the second movie, and he doesn't even get the his signature hockey mask until the third movie. He has a bag, of, like a burlap sack, over his head in the second one.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's so weird that you remember it differently. I mean, I remembered it differently. I thought he had the mask in the first one. When I rewatched it, I was like, there was not even
1: one hint of a mask. Nope. Nope. Um, and that's 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 what sets you apart from uh when you're a real horror movie nerd and you've watched these movies over and over again closely. Yeah, I'm not to someone a who movie just movie. has kind of watched it like years ago and sort of remembers it. <laughs> yeah. That's more like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh of course I know all the the nerdy facts. Uh, that's you my... nerd. It's my job, okay? <laughs> 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 Literally. <laughs> Alright, so... And then uh, he asks her, you know, like, one last question, and that is which door am I at? And she's just pleading with him and not really playing along, not answering him, so he throws a chair through the back, uh, back patio door.
2: Yeah, like, uh, how long would it... It it would take her, like, an hour to guess which door, because there's, like, 50. (laughs) Like, he has to give her some kind of hint. So. Well, I thought, he said, so I that thought was... he said the
1: back door or the front door, did he, or did he not? Oh. Well, there's, like, five front doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so at that point, she, you know, starts running. I believe she runs outside, and um, it's at this point. She thinks she's like,
2: she safe. Saved... What? She hides in the corner between the, the back fence and the Yeah. Back window. Right. She's hiding in her backyard. And
1: uh, she sees one I god damn it, I thought I turned that down, sorry. Um she sees one.
2: One.
1: Uh like she's a person sorry, she sees one person running through the house. Oh like, yeah. In a shadowy like figure. Like a cloak. So, it's yeah, and like solid black and like a hood too. You should just see that kind of flash through and it's like, oh, shit. And then uh just when she, you know, thinks she's safe his face is like right in front of her, right? Yeah. And then Ugh. he gr- he pulls her through. And uh, cuts her a little bit. And then she screams and runs off. And he chases her. And she sees her parents driving through. And. um, she's actually, They don't see her though. They just are you know, in their own little world. In their car. And they pull in. And as they're pulling in. She's getting stabbed. In the abdomen by the killer. And she screamed so much. And I think her throat's been cut a little bit. That she's like. Near the front, like so near them, just you I know, think he trying... crushes
2: her windpipe.
1: Yeah, he does, he's like
2: choking her.
1: Yeah, so she's like trying to scream, Mom, and she can't. It's tragic. And um, they go inside and see that you know, there's been a struggle or and stuff, and uh, you know, they're like, Oh my god, where is she? We need to call the police, and then uh, the mom walks out the front door and looks out, and Casey's body is hanging from the tree with her insides on the outside. (laughs) It is grim. They do not show it very close, though, uh, for good reason. it's that
2: weird effect. Well,
1: it's for good reason. Um, That is not Drew Barrymore in the tree, like with a harness or anything. It's a
2: mannequin. Oh, a Drew Barrymore mannequin?
1: With a wig. (laughs) (laughs) Like a bad blonde wig. So that's why it's not super close. Yeah.
2: It's such a weird camera effect. It's like staggered and really fast.
1: But I think they... um, I believe they skip every other frame or something.
2: Yeah, it's weird.
1: I think that's the effect they did. They like skipped out every other frame. And they had to do it that way. Uh... I think to maintain the R rating. Oh, it was something like that. That's why it's done that way. Would it be like NC 17? I doubt it. it. It's not that. Yeah. It's not that bad, but I don't know. It was something like that. The in basically the MPAA was like, "Mm, edit this out or do something with it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Give it a creative flair.
1: Yeah, don't, you know, don't fix this. Just fix this. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, the following day, the news media descends on the town and the police begin an investigation. Meanwhile, Sydney Prescott struggles with the impending first anniversary of her mother Maureen's murder by her lover, Cotton Weary. While waiting at home for her friend Tatum Riley, Sydney receives a threatening phone call. Yes, it's the same guy from earlier. Uh, As she hangs up on him, and he's there. She's attacked by him pretty much immediately, and evades him. And then right as, you know, it's getting really intense, and you think, you know, he's going to come somewhere, because she's just, like, in her room. It's funny, because she had just given, like, jokingly, to the menacing caller, because he was talking about horror movies again, obviously, Um, she jokingly is like, you know, it's insulting. You know, the big-boobed blonde or whatever, you know, runs right up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. She tries to run out the front door, to to her credit, but she doesn't try that hard. Like, it was um, just latched. Like, she didn't just unlatch it. Like it wouldn't have taken that much time to unlatch it and then throw the door open. Yeah. Instead, instead, she turns around and runs up the stairs. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta feel like they did that on purpose, right?
2: Yeah, they totally did. They had to just have. to bring back the the tropes, I guess. I guess. I mean, it's very tongue in
1: cheek because it's supposed to be making fun of the genre, even though it does still take itself somewhat seriously. Um. But yeah, so Sydney's boyfriend comes in through the window and that looks highly sus. <laughs> and he drops a cell phone too. Immediately, you know, Sydney looks at him like you son of a bitch. You're the killer. And uh calls the police and has him arrested.
2: <laughs> and um Billy's
1: yeah, Billy's arrested and Sydney spends the night at Tatum's house. Um and while she's at Tatum's, she receives another threatening phone call. Like oh shit. How does this person know where I am? Right? So, the next day Billy is released and uh suspicion shifts to Sydney's father. I guess because it was near the anniversary of his wife's death and i don't know or his ex-wife whatever i don't feel like they're clear about whether or not they were married when she was sleeping with the guy
2: were they do you know i i think she was cheating on him right
1: that's the implication that i got from it but regardless i mean i guess he's a widower ex whatever you want to call it they wouldn't have stayed together if she was still alive is my thought. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was cheating. Um, lo- By the way, so much victim blaming towards
2: the mom in this movie. I know. they were like, she deserved it. She's a slut. She was such a slut. She's such a slut. She's slutting around and slutting, slutting. She needs her throat slut.
1: And then Slit. they start saying that stuff to Sydney.
2: Like, after yeah, no. she's attacked. It's, it's really awful. It's so fucked up.
1: It's so fucked up.
2: Um Yeah, and yeah. Then keep making jokes about it too. It's awesome. awful. Dude, it's really why? Awful. What? Kids are terrible, man. Yeah, and why does she have these friends that keep like bringing it up? Yeah,
1: her friends are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh So, while waiting for her friend Tatum, uh Sydney receives I'm sorry. I started reading the wrong part of my notes. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, now it's shifted to the father as the calls have been traced to his phone. Uh, school is sus- school suspended in the wake of the murders, and after the students have left the school, the killer then attacks Principal Hembry, who is played by the delightful Henry L- 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 Henry Winkler, uh, who, if you don't know who Henry Wink Wimbus. Winkler is <laughs> Henry Winkler. <laughs> <laughs> then you would definitely know who the Fonz is, unless you're like 18.
2: <laughs> yeah. Then you might not know. I love Henry Winkler.
1: He is great, and I don't know if you've seen this show, but he plays uh, I can't remember the the character's name, but he plays a uh like an acting teacher. Oh um, yeah. On um,
2: Barry? Yes, I love Barry. Oh, God. When are they bringing in the next one back? I
1: know. I was just about to say, I'm ready for season three. Um, I'm pretty sure it got pushed back because of COVID, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah. Great actor. So funny. Um,
2: underrated, I think. I don't think he's underrated. He's not no. on stuff.
1: No, I feel like uh, when people talk about, like, great actors, who brings up Henry Winkler? Oh. He's underrated. True. true. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so um, Tatum's boyfriend, uh, Stu, throws a party to celebrate the school's closure. The party is attended by Sydney and Tatum and their friend Randy, among some other students. Uh, Then-reporter Gail Weathers, who's played by Courtney Cox, attends uninvited, she crashes the party, um, because she wants to cover the situation and maybe get a, you know, hot scoop. Because she's one of those, like, conniving, on-the-scene kind of reporters who's just thirsty for a
2: story. Yeah, let me get your story when you're all covered in blood.
1: <laughs> yeah! It reminds me, of, well, not quite as bad as that, but it kind of reminds me of that... um
2: nightcrawler oh yeah yeah a oh bit. god yeah a Little, a little bit. it reminds me of those reporters that go to school shootings and like put a fucking microphone in front of a parent's face and be like how do you feel about losing your kid to a gun violence <laughs> like,
1: yeah what? that's like so
2: <laughs> fucked oh i would beat her
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean to sydney's credit Sydney, at some point, does literally suck Gail in the face.
2: Yes. That because was great. Gail
1: also happens to be writing a book on her mother's murder. Yeah. And she's kind of a stone cold bitch to Sydney. So, I mean, I don't blame her at all for giving her a shiner. She deserved it. Courtney Cox, you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, her character, I guess. Well, I don't yes, we don't know her as a person. Not actually.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, she expects the killer's going to strike. That's why why she's there. Um, so Tatum's brother, Deputy Sheriff Dewey, played by um, David Arquette, who this is actually the set that they met on, Courtney Cox and him, and this is how they fell in love. I mean, they do end up getting divorced, but they have a child. Fun uh, side note there. Sometimes I'm also your Us Weekly. <laughs> You're welcome.
2: She's <laughs> 10 years older, right? Uh,
1: is she? Oh, was Cougar older. Town kind of based on her? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I thought uh, they were similar ages. Um, in the movie, she is like 10 years older than
2: him, though. I think she really is like 10 years older than him.
1: Really? Okay. Uh, check on that if you want to. <laughs>
2: yeah, like eight. Okay.
1: All right, so... Enough, but... So anyway, so Dewey is there because um, he wants to look out because he also thinks that the murder might strike. Um, the killer corners Tatum in the garage in a classic scene from Scream. Because it's another like creative kill and it's Rose McGowan, you know, and she's great. Uh, so she gets stuck in the cat door on the garage. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, she like That's throws funny. the beer. <laughs> yeah, she throws beer bottles at him. It's actually kind of a funny scene. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> she's throwing beer bottles at him and insulting him. because She doesn't think it's actually like the killer at first. She thinks it's one of her friends being a dickhead. Um, and then she like tries to squeeze out the cat door, gets stuck. He s- turns the garage door on so it starts lifting with her. I feel like if that much weight was on it, it would not do that.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't do that. They had to have like just made it do that. If you look up um, Rose McGowan's scream death gif, it's really funny. <laughs> I believe you um
1: <laughs> it's, a, it a just plays stuff. over
2: and over and it like you can tell when the scene changes to a dummy and it's just like a dummy getting his head squished
1: oh that <laughs> yes that part absolutely i was gonna say a fun part is um she actually could have she was small enough to actually crawl all the way through that uh cat door really she yeah she didn't actually get stuck in fact she um, she was falling out several times and they had to like pin her in
2: <laughs> oh is that why she went through a really weird way
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah cause, cause she wasn't she, she can fit
1: yeah cause she actually could totally fit through there she like I said she fell out several times so <laughs> they had to like put her in there and make sure that she stayed yeah but yeah so she yeah like you said her head gets squished in by the uh, garage door it's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor, poor, poor Tatum. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Billy arrives to speak uh, to Sydney um, at the party. And uh, they kind of disappear off together. And despite everything Randy would have told Sydney... She decided to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) She decides to sleep with Billy at last. I'm sorry. I'm kind of losing my voice. But yeah, so Billy, you know, manipulates her. He basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here?
2: He, like, shames her into having sex with Yeah, him. he
1: shames her into having sex. But that's not the word I was looking for. But that works. <laughs> yeah, he shames her into having sex. Guilt trips her. There we go. Yeah, guilt trips he her. He guilt trips her into having sex with him. And uh, can, I, can I just break for a moment here and say that Skeet Ulrich is so creepy looking that why on earth would you ever be attracted to that guy? Is that just uh, me?
2: I think that's just you. Really, you thought he was a hottie? Oh yeah, you didn't? No, I thought I he thought was such he... a creep. Always thought he looked like a Kmart version of um. Oh my god! Oh god! What is his name? Fuck. Uh, yep. The guy. <laughs> you need. <laughs> we need to just erase this part out. Joined um... up? Yes. <laughs>
1: That's why I just I just said that a second ago. You're Did still you... laughing, yeah? Johnny Depp. Oh.
2: yeah. He looks like a Kmart version of Johnny Depp.
1: Um, kind of, but I th- you here's the thing, he just looks dirty to me. He's, I thought he was highly attractive. Mm, I think he he looks like a greasy, dirty dude. Like I bet he smells bad.
2: Um, I'd like to smell him. I think you smell bad, Skeetle Rich. I'm just going to say it. I think he's a beautiful man. He's especially beautiful now. He's aged aged well. well. He has aged well, but in the film, he looks skeezy. Yeah,
1: sort of. I think he looks skeezy. Morgan and I have differing, differing opinions, but we've also generally had pretty different tastes in men too. So (laughs) I like them tall and thin, like Ichabod Crane. I have no type.
2: You don't. (laughs) You're,
1: you're. I'm an anomaly. Have been very different. (laughs) I mean, a lot of mine have too, but towards the end, I've started getting a pattern. (laughs) The last three have been similar. And no. shape and stuff. None of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've met several of them. And they've all been very different.
2: <laughs> Morgan just loves who she loves. Yeah, I just love who I love. Love is love.
1: Me too. But I, I do tend to find like tall, thin, waif dudes attractive. <laughs> 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 That's what I'm into. I don't know. I like long hair, too. Long hair is hot.
2: You just like androgynous men.
1: Uh, I wouldn't say they're all androgynous. Uh, I've dated guys with long hair that, you know, had beards and shit. uh, I have. uh, I would know better than you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't eh me. I'm in you. Oh my god, I just now saw the gift that you sent me. It's great. It's so clearly clearly rubber mask of Rose McGowan. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: just smush over and over and over. That's amazing. I love it.
1: We need to post that to the Instagram for sure.
2: Yeah, it's fucking great.
1: (laughs) Don't let me forget. Message me to do that in the Skype. (laughs) Um, yeah, so where was I? So after having sex, uh, Sydney and Billy are attacked by the killer who ostensibly kills Billy. Sydney <sighs> narrowly escapes from the house and seeks help from Kenny, but the killer slashes his throat. The, it, Kenny, by the way, is Gail's cameraman. Okay, so... Uh, the killer slashes Kenny's throat. And Sydney flees out the very back of the van in a tight squeeze, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there's a bunch of equipment and shit back there. She literally has to squeeze through a hole and pop out the back. Uh, so Gail and Dewey uh, believe that Neil, uh, Sydney's father, is the killer, and they've come to see if he has continued the spree. Gail tries to escape in her van from the killer. Uh, but drives off the road and narrowly avoids hitting Sydney and crashes. Meanwhile, uh, Dewey has been stabbed in the back while investigating the house, and Sydney takes his gun. Stu and Randy appear and accuse each other of being the killer. Uh, Sidney retreats into the house where she finds Billy wounded but still alive. Uh, he convinces her to give him the gun, and they let Randy into the house. And then he shoots him. Billy reveals that he feigned his injuries and is actually the killer. And Stu is his accomplice. Billy and Stu discuss their plan to kill Sydney and pin the murder spree on her father, whom they will have taken hostage. The pair also reveal that they have murdered her mother and framed Cotton for it as she was having an affair with Billy's father which drove his mommy away. Boo, oh. fucking who? <laughs> I don't have my mommy to suckle anymore. <laughs> and so I went on a murder spree and killed your mommy and then <laughs> a bunch of our friends for some fucking reason.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> Why?
1: <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, one of the things that they do focus on in this is that they say that, um, like, the filmmakers... Oh, my God. Basically, they're like, you know... When we were making this, we thought it's more scary if they don't have a real motive. Yeah. So that was kind of the gist of it, in all all honesty. Even though they do hammer home, again, some half-brained, dumb motive that Billy says is his motive. But what the fuck is Stu's motive? He's just Billy's, you know, gimp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's really no reason for Stu to to be doing any of the murders yeah no. other than his love for Billy.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a little bromance.
1: It's totally bromance. I'll do whatever you want. I'm your little slave.
2: I'm your slave bitch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> By the stab, way, stab. Matthew, Matthew Lillard when he's like emphatically like excited about like, "Who didn't see this twist coming?" There is so much spit flying out of his mouth. <laughs> like, it's like he's a dog frothing at the mouth. It's a, and it's amazing. <laughs> There's
2: so much spit.
1: You have a big I mouth. I
2: would want Matthew Lillard spit on me. Would you? I would take it. He's Do you great. know that
1: the casting directors told Matthew Lillard? He originally... Uh, auditioned for the role of Billy and did not get it and the casting director was like hey look you're not bad but um you should audition for the role of the ugly sidekick friend oh better for you (laughs) and he did and it was better for him
2: I love Matthew Lillard you know what he's great in Uh, SLC Punk yes (laughs) oh god he's so good of course I was going to say Salt Lake City Punk. <laughs> that has the best soundtrack ever. Oh, God, I love that movie.
1: I mean, I definitely wasn't going to say Scooby-Doo.
2: Hey, he's pretty good in Scooby-Doo. He is a good Shaggy.
1: <laughs> I will give him that. He's a good Shaggy. but He's that's... a
2: really good Shaggy.
1: But that's not just, like, a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Bill and Stu are, you know, discussing their plan, and he tells, you know, the... Billy tells heard that it's cuz her mother drove his mother away and uh Gale comes in who survives who has survived the crash uh intervenes and Sydney takes advantage of this to turn the tables on her attackers knocking Billy out and uh there's a little tussle with her and Stu and she ends up dropping the uh television on Stu's head <laughs> which is great um the Billy then awakens like heavy back
2: then. <laughs> I
1: know, right? I'm kind of surprised that that part didn't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Billy then uh, awakens and attacks Sydney, but she but Gail shoots him, and then Randy uh, comes up, and, you know, he's alive. He's hurt, but he's alive, and he remarks that the killer always resurfaces for one last scare, and then on cue, Billy lifts his head up, and then Sydney shoots him in the head killing him for good uh the sun starts to rise police arrive dewey is injured but he's actually still alive as well he's taken away on a stretcher and gail makes an impromptu news report about the night's events i'm not sure when this happens in that tussle it's all in there somewhere after the reveal you know i think oh i know when it is it's this great scene after Stu's already been like stabbed to make it look like they're framing the dad by Billy. Oh yeah. Where he's like, I I think I'm dying, man.
2: I think you stabbed me too deep.
1: But what's great is he's sitting there and he's like, My parents are gonna be so pissed at me. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Like,
1: Bro, that's your biggest worry right now. You're going to jail, bro.
2: Yeah. You're dying. (laughs) Dying. And you're going to jail, but you're
1: worried about mom and dad
2: my mommy will not be m- m- happy. you <laughs> so pissed at me. Does Randy die? No, Randy lives. He's in the second one. Yeah, Randy lives. I'm so glad he lived.
1: Yeah. This is one of the few roles where you're actually not super annoyed by Jamie Kennedy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> traffic, traffic. Wrong. Searching for my chapstick. <laughs> God, <Jamie laughs> Feeling kind of caustic. Is that a Ford Maverick? <laughs> That's my favorite rap. (laughs) From Malibu's Most Wanted? Yes, my (laughs) (laughs) Malibu-tay.
1: I love that you just quoted that. How many times have you seen that film? A lot.
2: (laughs) It's been a really long time, though. Okay.
1: So I'm going to read yet another passage from the lovely book Shock Value by Jason Zinneman. When I say it has great info about a ton of different horror movies, I'm not exaggerating. What, what is it? Uh, Shock Value by Jason Zinneman. It is the same book that I used for a lot of the info uh, last episode on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Neato. Yeah. Okay. Of all his peers, Craven had the most enduring success within the genre, growing into the most commercially successful director in horror. He managed this by staying ahead of trends and reinventing the genre in three different decades. In fact, his career mirrors the major shifts of the genre, beginning in the new era, beginning in the era of new horror, when he ushered in an angry assault of realistic style with The Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. In A Nightmare on Elm Street, the nightmares were more surreal than what happened in the mundane suburbia and warish campsites of earlier serial killer movies. Craven, fascinated by dreams, felt the horror needed to be not just about frightening, not just about fighting the monster, but about the framework of reality itself. So he built the blurring of reality and dreams into the architecture of the story, borrowing from Polanski's repulsion. As the sequels kept coming, however, Freddy action figures and a Freddy rock album with songs such as Do the Freddy" that is real, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> went on the market. The selling of this character was truly remarkable when you consider the fact that Craven originally imagined him as the ultimate bad father figure, whose name was derived from the rapist Krug. And The Last House on the Left, which is an earlier film that Craven did. Craven renounced the movies and quit the series in the late 80s, but he paved the way for the commercialization by making a killer that was easier to relate to. Freddy told jokes. His name was kind of fun. He didn't wear a mask. And by 1990, those knife fingers would become a source of sympathy and eccentric. eccentricity. Would become a source of sympathy and eccentricity. Excentric I can't say it, Morgan.
2: <laughs> Eccentricism.
1: Well <laughs> oh, eccentricity. Excentricity. Ex-gen-ci-
2: I don't even know anymore.
1: Okay, you know what? I'll just rephrase it and edit it out. Okay. <laughs> So, and by 1990, those knife fingers would become a source of eccentric sympathy in Tim Burton's romantic ode to sentimental monster movies, Edward Scissorhands, starring Johnny Depp, whose debut was in A Nightmare on Elm Street. The self-consciousness of the genre presented another opportunity for the resourceful Craven, which he exploited in New Nightmare, his 1994 meta-movie that used the Freddy franchise to comment on the state of horror. Craven played himself. Struggling to come up with a new installment. Of Nightmare on Elm Street. He dug even deeper into this now established. Architecture of the horror film two years later. With the incredibly popular Scream series. That packed the brutality of serial killer movies. With the critical acumen and wit. Of an episode of The Simpsons. The subject of these movies. Was the convention of 1970s horror. Horror or at least the conventions established by movies like Halloween. The knowing winks at past horror movies are actually nothing new. Halloween itself is a movie about horror movies, and another decade earlier, Targets, was an insightful essay disguised as a horror movie. But Scream went further than any other movie in singling out how the rules of the horror film was primarily established by the new horror in his screenplay for Scream, Kevin Williamson has the character Randy, played by Jamie Kennedy, spell out the horror formula like a true fan. Repeating the criticism of countless critics of Halloween, he explains, there are certain roles that one must abide by in order to successfully survive in a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. There are nods to the trick <laughs> ending from Carrie and a further exploration of the frightening possibilities of a ringing telephone. The most intriguing reoccurring joke in the screenplay concentrates on an extended debate about the question of motive. At the end of Scream, Randy says, motive is incidental. When the killer, whose ghostly frowning mask became the most famous horror accessory in the 1990s, <coughs> makes his final appearance, he spells out the most valuable insight Of the new horror. It's a lot scarier. When there's no motive. Mm -hmm. Craven actually. Went on. Like I was saying earlier. Craven. This revived his career. And he was able to. Break out of the horror genre. A little bit. Um, And he made. Music of the heart. With Meryl Streep. She plays a violinist. It's a drama. Horror movie fans hated it. No one goes to a Craven film to see Meryl Streep play the violin. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Meryl Streep. I hate that movie. (laughs) I will say this, though. It was the first Craven movie that his mother actually went to go see. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like, finally, a movie that I can see without having a heart attack. I'm so proud of you, my son. Um. Also, a fun fact about the, the infamous ghost face mask. Just like Halloween, it was, like, randomly picked up at a costume store. They didn't have one in mind, and they just kind of randomly picked one. Oh, really? Yeah, but it turned out
2: great, right? Yeah, it did. <laughs> so infamous. Yeah, I don't... I remember, like, that Halloween, everybody was the ghost face killer. Oh, yeah. for And for lots
1: of Halloweens to come after that. Yeah. Occasionally, I still see someone dressed like that on Halloween. I know. It's crazy. Like, it's a really popular costume. I feel like enduring um, horror icons like that will always be dressed. People will always dress up like them.
2: Yeah, and then now with the TV show.
1: Yeah, right? I uh, saw a sexy Freddy Krueger at a comic con once, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she had some really great like skin. She, yeah, she, her she skin, skin was so good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, seriously, she did really good like uh, prosthetic work on her face to make her look herself look burned. Nice. It was killer. Like I don't know who you are, but props, lady. You you did look like a hot. Freddie krueger <laughs> <laughs> i was weirdly attracted and repelled <laughs> i didn't know how to feel <laughs> yeah i didn't know how to feel about that yeah uh scream was also original originally supposed to be uh called scary movie which is funny because oh, really? then yeah it's funny because in the movie scary movie is making fun of scream yeah but yeah, the producers basically were like, eh, we don't like this title. Call it something else. So they kind of made him call it Scream. But years later, he said he couldn't imagine calling it anything else. But uh, yeah, um, there's not a lot in Scream that has anything really to do with uh the Jackson, I mean, not Jacksonville, Christ, the Gainesville Ripper, there's not a lot that they actually have to do with one another, um, other than the fact that Kevin Williamson was just really, um, you know, inspired by the violence of that at the time um, while he was writing the script. So it, you know, it influenced him. And there are some similarities, like the like I was telling Morgan on the phone last night, um The way he likes to place the bodies in a certain position, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a um, commercial break, as we uh, usually do. Um, And, uh, yeah. Then Morgan's going to tell us about Danny Rollins'
2: human filth. Oh, yeah. Get your beers ready. Or wine. Or fruit juice. Or whatever you're imbibing yeah. sure
1: i hear in oregon that lots of things are legal so drop acid <laughs> I, don't <care. laughs>
2: I don't suggest dropping acid <laughs> hey friends it's morgan from horror versus reality i wanted to tell you a little bit about my new favorite podcast don't look under the bed I've been listening to Shaughnessy and Justin talk about some creepy shit while also making me laugh. So if you're looking for new, funny, and creepy content this year, I'd say definitely add this one to your list. Follow, check them out. Don't Look Under the Bed is chocked full of mysteries of the unknown. From true crime to aliens, the creepy and the crawly, weird and supernatural, murders, and the occult. Oh my fucking god. Check these women out on Spotify and follow. They're sure to make you laugh each week with every new episode. I highly recommend it and I swear you will not be disappointed. Hey, friends. You ready for some real spooky shit?
1: We are indeed ready for the real spooky shit, Morgan.
2: This guy is a total piece of shit. And oh, my God. So I have been reading um, the book that he wrote along with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, I should say, um, called The uh, Making of a Serial Killer um, by Danny Rowling, as told by Sandra London. And it really is from his perspective and his point of view, so it makes you hate him even more because I feel like he's so detached from a real person that he like tries to get people to feel sorry for him or something like throughout this book he'll go into like yeah and then my ex-wife did this and then I did this because I can't believe I was abandoned and my daddy my daddy issues and it's just all just bullshit like Mm -hmm. hey a lot of people have had a Fucked up childhood and experienced abuse and rape and sexual abuse. And they don't turn out to be just a piece of fucking shit. And then like write about it. And he writes about it in a way like he writes about the crimes in a way that it's like erotica, which is really disturbing to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like the rapes. Uh, he really goes into detail and with the murders too and it's like you can tell he's proud like yeah he's open about his psychopathy and shit but at the same time he like tries to make you feel bad for him and it's just fucked up um
1: well, I mean, anyone who kills some multiple people or anyone, for that matter, I guess. Okay, there's insinuating circumstances. Look, my point is, serial killers are always going to be fucked up people.
2: Yeah. Anyway. And there's, there's like, this one part where he talks about rape in the book. And uh, I'm going to quote it from his book. Okay. It says, rape. And there's, like, a picture of a, It's like a cart. He draws a lot of cartoons. So it's all of his original artwork in the second edition. I got the second edition because it's like updated. Mm. Um, But it's like a cartoon of a hand over a woman's face. And it's like her hand with fingernails and everything. And in her eyes, a reflection of a skeleton back. And it says, Rape. What does it mean? Power, control, sexual ecstasy, shame, regret, and loss. Power. To have complete control over a beautiful woman is every man's secret fantasy. And I uh, don't think that's true. And he even like mentions not. this study where they ask all these like university male students, like if you could have sex or if you could rape a beautiful woman and get away, and you knew you could get away with it, what would you do? It? He said, over half said yes. And, like, I don't, I couldn't find this study anywhere except when he has referenced it in the book. So, I hope that's not true. I'm uh, sure it was some
1: bullshit statistic that he pulled out of his ass.
2: Yeah, so, it, the way he talks about rape is so fucking chilling. And, like, just, you know, alert uh, to anyone who, you know, may be triggered by this. There's some details that I will say. I just want to warn you ahead of time that this is fucked up and it's from his perspective um, and, like, what he talks about. So just trigger warning for you listeners. Um, So we'll get into who or what this killer was. Uh, His name is Daniel Harold Rowling, also known as Danny Rowling. He was born May 26, 1954 to James and Claudia Rowling. He was the eldest of two sons born to the family. Grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. And according to Danny, Claudia, and some other family members, James Rowling was a terrible man who beat his wife and his kids almost daily. Danny says that his dad always told him that he didn't want him. And according to his mother, Claudia, James wanted her to leave the baby at the hospital or give the baby to her sister to care for him because he didn't want the baby. Um, There are multiple stories of James kicking Danny as an infant. And one time he like kicked him across the room when he was like four months old. Uh, and he like hit the cabinets in the kitchen because he slid across linoleum. Um, and I don't know how exaggerated these stories.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: are because the picture that Danny shared of his father during the trial and after was like way different than what his ex-wife uh, Omather Halko Loomis said. Um, she testified on the stand during uh, the court testimony and said that Danny and his father had a normal father-son relationship and he never told her any stories of abuse but Rowling claims that his father regularly beat him, his mother, his brother, and he also killed a puppy by beating it to death because it pooped on the floor. Um, but they did have another dog named Rocky that lived to be 11, and he just died of old age, I guess. Uh, there wasn't really much. He said he came home, and the dog was whimpering, and then he died. So I don't know knowing this psychopath and all of his lies and stuff, he probably killed it. Um, So also when Danny was 11, uh, his mom was admitted to a mental institution for attempting to slit her wrists. Um, But from Danny's perspective and what he said, he said that his father was beating her so bad and wanted to kill her but he couldn't do it. So he was forcing his wife to slit her own wrists. Um, she later claimed that's what happened also. Um, so a lot of this is from this book. And then a lot of this information comes from different articles, because I will say that Danny and the writer of this book, uh, We're an item, so it is kind of hard to differentiate truth from, you know, infatuation and trying to put somebody in a good light because you're dating a serial killer. Yeah. Um, So I try not to be too hard on Sandra London, London, um, but she kind of... She makes it hard. Yeah, she kind of lost her accreditation or her, you know, her trustworthiness as a journalist when she crossed every barrier that you're not supposed to and had sex and fell in love with a fucking serial killer. Um, Wait, were
1: they they actually granted
2: conjugal visits at some point? I'm pretty sure they were. I I know they, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were.
1: You Um, know that sex was rough.
2: Yeah, because he was a fucking rapist. He's a piece yeah. of shit. Um, he also talks about how good the sex was when he raped people. And that's how, like, fucked up it was. Gross. Oh, my God. I hate this guy. Yeah, I know. This book has been really hard to read. I could... I... Um, to tell you the truth, I didn't finish it all. Um, I'm, like, halfway done, which it's finally getting to, like, the murder part or somewhat um but anyway uh danny was an outcast at school oh sorry i just wanted to back up and let people know that there is a disclaimer on this because she says all of this is 100 percent true i'm a journalist i go and fact check and all this stuff and it's like yeah but journalists don't fuck their story no don't fuck your story i mean me being a journalist before like you know you're not supposed to get an emotional attachment to the story or you've lost the story really Exactly. exactly. you're supposed to be detached and be journalists and not um, fucking a serial killer that you're interviewing <laughs> but anyway
1: <Yeah>. wait <coughs> <laughs> have you seen the movie The Lodge no it's on Hulu Mm-hmm. It's it's a great example of you're not supposed to fuck your subject. So the father of these two kids is a, a journalist, and he starts basically um, he starts doing a story um, or writing a book on this one girl who's the sole survival survivor of a uh, like freaky religious um, like doomsday cult. Oh. Like, She's the only one who didn't commit suicide.
2: Oh, shit.
1: And he writes a book about her and then, like, leaves his wife and uh, is engaged to her now. Oh,
2: shit.
1: And be- the wife's played by Alicia Silverstone. And she's clearly, like, waiting for him to come back to her pretty much. Like, definitely thinks they're going to de- get back together. And uh, she ends up, like, blowing her brains out, like, pretty early in the movie. And oh, it's. Fuck really
2: jarring spoiler <laughs> yeah, spoiler.
1: <laughs> sorry i mean it, like i just said it happens really early in the movie
2: oh my god so speaking of that did you hear about the journalist and the pharma bro well so martin shkreli Sh- shkreli or whatever the one the pharma bro who like Raised the price of uh, was it insulin by 5,000 percent? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he is now serving seven years in prison, uh, because he was convicted of fraud. Well, the journalist who broke the news of all this story left her husband and is now dating this douchebag.
1: What the yeah.
2: fuck, yeah. Yeah, what so the fuck just uh, some people news or you know your Hollywood news right here coming at ya yeah so don't worry guys has... I will put a spoiler alert
1: on the episode notes
2: yeah so she literally has undermined her entire career and left her husband um, for this douchebag uh who is also a psychopath. Um I don't know why people get so wrapped up with psychopaths. Like you go to interview them and know they're a psychopath and then you still get caught up in it. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I I don't I don't understand. It's you would think that you would have your guard up and be like, these people are charismatic but they're fucking evil.
2: Yeah. I think if you look at them as a subject rather than a fucking human, then maybe it would go better because they're just psychopaths.
1: They're kind of not human.
2: They're not human. I don't <laughs> know what. Anyway, she's making a lot of money off this guy giving interviews and shit now. Like, she's even like doing um, uh, these articles saying, like, oh, they've been loving each other and she's Gross. been visiting him and yeah, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. But yeah, whatever. You live your life, but you, I think you just threw your entire career and your marriage away for a douchebag. Seriously. Huh? Just like this journalist and the serial killer Danny Rowling. All right, back to Danny Rowling. So um Danny was an outcast at school. Uh, he was always picked on by people out of school. And there was one story that he told that his dad was getting mad at him. Well, this was in this book. His dad was getting mad at him saying, you need to get a haircut. You better have your haircut. And he didn't get his haircut. And he held Danny down and shaved his head and his brother heads to, like, be practically bald And then he made them go to school like that. And they all got nicknames and picked on and everything. Um, And also, I think it was like when Danny was 13 or 14, um, Danny did something bad. He, like, talked back to his dad or something. So uh, James ended up slamming him on the ground, like body slamming him turning him over on his stomach and handcuffing him and calling the police, and they took him to jail. And he actually uh, spent some time in juvie because Danny had been drinking that night. So uh, Yeah, he started drinking really early. Yeah, I think he was like 12 or 13 when that happened. Yeah, that Um, makes sense because he started drinking when he was 11. Yeah. I mean, me too. (laughs) But anyway... Um, so, and at 13, Danny was enticed by another boy to look into a girl's window while she was changing. Um, and Danny fucking loved it. And so he was soon out at night walking around looking into windows of women and girls undressing. Um, cause this is the start of his voyeurism, which like transfers throughout all of this, like, This is what led to him eventually breaking into this women's home and raping them. Um, He said it was because his life was so troubled. He would like to look into people's window to imagine a better life, but what the fuck ever? He was whatever. Yeah, he was getting his rocks off. He's fucking yeah. Um, So. Eventually, Danny was seen by his neighbor, and then she told her dad uh, and then James didn't believe it. He was like, "No, not my son." But then Danny was called again by another woman, and uh, then his dad was pretty much forced to believe it, and he beat him and was ashamed by him and just pretty much disowned him um. And then Danny said at this point, this is when he said he needed and wanted help. Um, But his dad being a Korean war vet and a police officer wouldn't have it and called him a sissy. And it is said by his mom, Claudia, that they did suggest therapy like the school. um, But his dad wouldn't ever do it. Um, So, by the time Danny was 15, he was drinking. He was looking into people's windows. He was known as the peeping Tom in the school, which is fucking creepy. Um, Danny began writing poetry and playing guitar, drawing weird cartoons. And he became more artistic, but, like, way more antisocial. Um, him and his dad constantly got into fights. Um and he was running away, but like never for long. He would just run away and come back or run away and go sleep at a laundromat those 24 hours. Um, then he joined the Air Force at 17 to get away from his dad. Some reports say his dad forced him into it, but in the book, he said that he joined to make his dad proud. I don't fucking know. Um, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't doubt that he wanted
1: to, eat, like in some sick, twisted way, still wanted acceptance from his abuser.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but I just don't fucking like him, and I don't believe anything that he says. Because, I don't blame you. He's definitely a pathological liar. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I can't believe I did these things. And then he goes into like this erotic fantasy of raping people and Ugh. drawing cartoons of it. it. And he also claims that he has multiple personalities, and he's been diagnosed with um, dissociative personality disorder, which is also known as like multiple personalities, um, which happens when someone gets like really intense traumatic experience early in life. You just kind of detach from it and create another character, which I mean, it makes sense for him to do that. I'm not a psychologist or anything. Some psychologists on the trial said he was just a um, he was borderline personality disorder antisocial personality disorder and uh, there was one more Uh, I mean that definitely makes sense yeah so uh, paraphilia yeah paraphilia so I mean I don't know about the whole he's made up like three people that he claims to be and he's writing this book in third person so I don't know if it's real or if it's just a fake because he says he also He basically
1: Jesus. wrote it in third person with her more or less as a ghostwriter. Yeah. That's so narcissistic.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely is. Yeah. The whole book, I just want to kill him because he goes back and forth between being. There's like multiple ones. The cowboy, because that's when he's robbing and stealing and stuff. Gross. And he calls himself the cowboy. And then there's the. Uh, the prisoner, which is when he's in Mississippi State Prison at uh, Parchman, and he oh. yeah he's in the nice so uh, he's in Parchman. Uh, he calls himself the prisoner, and then there's another one that's uh, Enad, which it's spelled E N N A D, which is the vernacular of Danny spelled backwards. That's what I thought. Mm. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be. But if you say Danny backwards, it's Enad. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, And then there's another one called Gemini. And Gemini was the one who committed all the murders. Mm. I think Mm -hmm. he's just such a narcissist. He can't come to terms that people will hate him. Because he wants everybody to love him. Did he just call that one Gemini because um,
1: Zodiac was taken?
2: <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> he also is a Gemini. May 26th, he's a Gemini. Oh, look at there. Yeah. That probably uh, has
1: more to do with it.
2: I think he's just <laughs> a fucking douchebag. Um, yeah, he definitely is
1: that, for sure.
2: Yeah. So. So by 17, he joined the Air Force, um, and it was there that he was introduced to drugs. He had already been drinking a little bit, um, but at this point, he was drinking a lot and taking a lot of drugs. He went from marijuana to mescaline to LSD to PCP to uh, shrooms and ecstasy and MDMA and all that good stuff. Um, and that's when he started acting uh, strange and he was like, not cool about it at all. And he would like come into the barracks all fucked up from going out and doing drugs and then coming back to the barracks as a soldier. So someone got caught for being on drugs and they named him and they searched him and found weed on him. And, uh, So he was kicked out of the Air Force in 1972. So he only stayed in about a year and some change. Um, He says he received an honorable discharge. Uh, But I can't back this up because everywhere is saying that he was dishonorably discharged. So I don't know what to believe. Again, because the journalist lost all of her accreditation because she slept with a psychopath. Um, so, he then returned to Shreveport, and this is when he found God. He found Jesus Christ, mm. and he also found his future wife. Oh. Praying on her knees and shit uh, at a Pentecostal church. Um So he found Jesus and he put this darkness away. Oh, he talks about it. He talks about how these were the best years of his life. And like, he was such a good husband and all this stuff. But she was like, yeah, he started to beat me. He was using drugs and alcohol. Um, But in the book, it makes him seem like he was, you know, a good husband. He had his issues, but so did everybody else. He also claimed that she was cold. She didn't want him to hug her or even kiss her. She'd turn away. And she didn't want to have sex with him. So he started to roam the streets at night because of her. Even though he had already done this since he was 12. Can I just say,
1: who would want to fuck that
2: guy? Yeah, no, it's It's so fucking weird how he depicts himself... But every time I, like, look at his face, he looks like he's on the verge of tears. Yes, he does. He He always looks like he's going to cry. Yeah, he has, like, a permanent pout. Like, his eyes...
1: You've heard of bitch face. Now me, puppy face.
2: Yeah, (laughs) he has a bitch-ass puppy face. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He's just so sad all the time. I don't think there's, like, just a normal photo of him. Um, <laughs> no, I've never seen one where he doesn't look like he's about to burst into tears. Yeah, no, he's fucking god-awful. Yeah. Um, so, he he blamed all of this on his ex-wife. Like, a lot of the shit Um, that... That, uh... He did, he like brings it back to his ex-wife. Um, so anyway, they had a they married, had a baby. He, the way he talks about his daughter too is so like um, detached. like she was sweet. She had chunky feet. She smiled and laughed. Like it's like he gives so much detail into everything else. but when he talks about his daughter, It's, like, so, like, cut and dry, just bullshit. Like, there's no attachment to his kid at all. Even though he he claims, like, oh, I have to leave to go back to my kid, yet he never goes back to his kid. Like, every time he dips out from somewhere, he's like, I have to find my baby. And, like, never does that. He goes and robs and shit. So... I just hate this guy. Like, I hate him. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so after she did not want to have sex with him and stuff, he would go to the streets, uh, masturbate into strangers windows. Um, I was thinking maybe he could have just masturbated or like bought some dirty magazines or, you know, go to a strip club with his friends yeah, like, right. No need for this voyeurism and fucking rape.
1: I mean, also there are pay sex workers.
2: It. Yeah, pay for it, dude. I of just... course, then he might have started killing.
1: Uh... <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he probably would have been like the Green River Killer and just start killing um sex workers.
2: True. True. Yeah. This
1: man was just evil. He was destined. To kill people, probably. I
2: think he should have just killed himself. Uh, he threatened it a lot from the age of, like, 11 until he fucking died by uh, I think you're right. By the
1: injection. Um, that would have been the right move. Just end it, bro.
2: Yeah, he he even threatened his wife with a shotgun because she was saying she was gonna leave him for another man. Um, And he picked up a shotgun and loaded it and Pointed it at her. And then he said, then I realized our daughter was in the room. I was like, what? And I couldn't do that. So I turned it on myself. And he's like, and then I realized my daughter would have to live with that. And it's like, no, you're just a fucking narcissist and you can't kill yourself. And he's so fucking manipulative that he continued to threaten to kill himself until she decided, let's all just sleep together. They all slept together, he went to work, and she dipped the fuck out. I'm so glad she got the fuck out. Absolutely. Yeah, she dipped out, she took her kids, she took everything, she dipped out. She even got her dad involved and stuff, and they moved her out immediately because, I mean, what the fuck? So then he, in his book, he also talks about how he like found her in a trailer where her new husband was, and like, beat her husband up and then sat in the trailer with them talking. And then they decided to get a divorce. But like other stories were like, he was screaming around the house saying he wouldn't sign the papers. He wouldn't sign the papers. He was like running around in circles saying, why, why would she do this? Um, And then after, after the uh, papers were served, He eventually signed them. Their divorce went through after, I think, four years of being together. Um, He actually broke into someone's home and raped a woman who looked almost exactly like his ex-wife. And he claims it was because of his anger and resentment towards his wife. Um, So... Around that time, he was breaking and entering. Uh, He did a few um, armed robberies all throughout the southern states. So he went from Louisiana to Mississippi to Alabama to Georgia to Florida, um, all the while getting caught in almost every crime he committed. And if he didn't get caught in one crime, he would just just be like, yeah, I did this other crime that you weren't even looking for. Like, he would just admit because he's such a narcissist, he has to attach himself to every crime he ever did because he fucking loves it. Um, so he was like breaking in people's homes and watching them while they slept. Yes. Uh, which is really fucking creepy. Super creepy. Yeah, because he would even like break into the homes and walk around, eat their food, watch them while they sleep, steal some stuff, and then dip. That's oh. so fucking creepy. Yeah, there was even one time he like stalked this woman because he wanted to rape her. And he was, he broke into her house while she wasn't home. And he just sat around and like waited on her. So he ate some food, he went through her things, he watched TV, um, and she still wasn't there. So I think, I don't remember, something else he did, which was really weird. I don't remember. I'll I'll bring it back up later. Um, But she never came home, and he just stole the stuff and then left. Um, At this time, he said that... He was seeing demons and having, like, visual hallucinations where he'd have to pull over the car and, like, go find what he was trying to look at. He even talks about aliens at one point, seeing an alien abduction. (laughs) Okay, this guy's a fucking mess. Um, So, he also claims that he broke into this woman's home. Um her roommate was gone and she was like cleaning up the house and took a bath at like 3am or something. And he was waiting in her room or he was waiting outside the door of the bathroom. And when she came out, he said like, shut the fuck up and let me do this. And he had a mask on and his K bar knife. And she was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And he said, at this point, her towel had dropped. And then she was like, please don't kill me. I'll do whatever you want. And he said he unzipped his pants and was like, just kiss it. And, uh. and he said, she starts giggling and was like, I'm a virgin and kissed it. Gross. And then apparently, according to him, they had a long romantic... Uh, breakfast together and they had consensual sex and she even drove him home (laughs) I don't know about all this but she did come back later and testified that he raped her but she played along with it so she could get away with her life Um, oh god
1: so do you think that he really thought that it was all consensual yeah. I, I think so. Wow.
2: But wow. he said he was scared that she would report him, so he ended up dipping out of that town before she could report it. But I don't know about all of the detail. Like, well, I don't know what's real and what's fake. I, I don't... know, he's such a liar. He's such a piece of shit. Um. Mm. So he also that same year around that time uh he witnessed he he actually killed a woman in a car wreck uh, a car wreck um he was driving too fast and there was like a bridge and um a trailer hitch was stuck on the bridge or something so all these cars were backed up for like half a mile so when you turned the corner instead of being like an open road it was like a bunch of stopped traffic And he slammed into the back of the van, which caused the woman to fly out of one of the windows. And she hit the concrete with her head. And then the husband was all fucked up and got out and cried over her body and then tried to beat him up. And he said, that's when he like sunk deep into this like mental illness piece of, that's when he said the darkness started to take him over. Um, so, he was continuing to do these petty crimes, thefts, hold-ups, armed robberies. Um, he even like held up a bar full of people, like a biker bar, um, right down the road from his parents' house. Uh, and he made away with like $280 or something and slipped away. Um, and he also, fun fact, Anna, mm. he robbed a kroger in clinton mississippi what my yeah. Kroger? yeah uh let me see i, I screenshotted the the page because i'm reading it on a kindle i saved it for you july 22nd my hometown. <laughs> yeah it's, it's your hometown what? you may even know where i'm talking about I um but there are some details about this which makes me really discredit what he says. Because he said he was put in Jackson County Jail. There's Jackson County Jails all the way in uh, at the coast.
1: He could have just gotten that mixed up with the city of Jackson Jail. Maybe. 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 I mean, if he got arrested in Clinton, it definitely was in Hines County.
2: Yeah, it would have been Hines County. It wouldn't have been. Yeah. Cuz got uh, Yeah, so he uh he entered a Kroger next to the I10 in Clinton, Mississippi. Uh next to, to Kase, the what? next to I10. Okay. See, but I10 doesn't even go through there. No, it doesn't. That's what I was just See? thinking.
1: Yeah. It would be the Clint it would be the Kroger I-20. off of 80.
2: Yeah, it'd be 80 or no, there wouldn't be a Kroger at 20.
1: No, it would be the Kroger at 80. That's the see, only
2: Kroger in Clinton. See, that's why it's weird, because Jackson County, that's where I-10 goes through. Hmm.
1: Then, is he just bullshitting some things, or was he getting where he got arrested mixed up? What is what is the actual... Um, reports say have you seen the actual
2: report like no his arrest? no i can't i didn- haven't done that um if i had money to pay offer <laughs> i feel like that's I one would... of those
1: things because he's a known cr- like a famous criminal that you could just find
2: yeah i couldn't find anything on it if you can oh,
1: oh wow. i'm on a mission now to find out if he robbed the kroger that i went to as a child or not
2: yeah, because he Cause says I ten, but it's not like everywhere is yeah. saying that it was.
1: It would the only one it could be in the actual Clinton, Mississippi, would be off of Highway eighty, because even in because the where Clinton where where, <laughs> where it is now is uh off of Highway eighty, but it was basically off of the other corner of Highway eighty. Um in the 90s before it moved. Yeah, that's a planet fitness now. Uh, It's a planet fitness. It is
2: because it says Clinton, Mississippi, and a Kroger supermarket, but he says it was off of I-10, and then he says he he flows through the Snake River in Jackson, Mississippi, which Snake River doesn't exist. It's the Pearl River. Yeah. So a lot of That stuff. And they say, oh, there's snakes as big as your arm in there. Don't float down that river because you escaped. I'm like, dude, none of this is
1: real. I've spent a lot of time in the Pearl River and there really aren't giant snakes in it.
2: (laughs) No. If anything, there's alligators. That is true. Yeah, but not fucking snakes. And it's not called the Snake River. No, it's the Pearl River. That's the only one that
1: goes through Jackson.
2: Yeah. So this is why I don't believe a word he says, but... Because we're like, wait a minute, we know this area. You're wrong. Yeah, you're <laughs> wrong. We grew up here, motherfucker. Yeah.
1: What are you so, talking
2: about, dude? So, according to him, though, he uh, went into the Kroger in Clinton, Mississippi, to case the joint, and then he came back later um, and held people up uh, at gunpoint just after dark and... Around 10 p.m., he donned a ski mask and gloves and brandishing a pistol, he busted into the Kroger through the carport. And there was a man on—he a- was a man on a mission. This is a holdup. Nobody move, and he got what he came for. And that's what, like, I don't like his writing sound, because he's like, "I'm this billy badass. I took everything in the register." And he exit as he entered and melted into the night with $290. So it's like, what? And then Clinton detective Jerry Blankenship stated that police trailed him to a stand of woods across the interstate, then lost his trail. He slept in the woods for a few hours after midnight, and he awoke and went on a prowl. And this is when he broke into a house... Uh, it had a broken out pain in the kitchen and the entire family was home at the time and he watched them until they went to sleep around 2 a.m. before letting himself in. Um, he eventually stole a car and then got lost and they pulled him over and he couldn't answer any of the questions the police were asking him and they realized that he he just started confessing everything. He confessed to to the armed robbery and all this other stuff. And he also claimed that the Kroger was in a shopping center next to a liquor store. That's true. Okay. There was a liquor
1: store right next to the Kroger at that point.
2: Okay. So that part is true-ish.
1: Yeah, that part's absolutely true. The Kroger was right next door to a liquor store. Every time I'm in Clinton, that's where I still get booze.
2: (laughs) So, at this time, I don't know how many times. Okay, he was in jail for a long time. Um, I mean, not like a long, long time, but um, uh, just throughout the years, because he would get caught every time. So he was in, he was on a chain gang in Alabama. He ended up going a parchment and putting the hole. Um, they said. He said he didn't have a trial. He just had a kangaroo court. And they said, we'll add eight more years on to your sentence, or you can do 290 days in solitary confinement. And he chose solitary confinement. Um, and that's when he starts, like, he, that's the part I'm at right now. He's like talking about going crazy in solitary confinement, um, which would break your fucking mind it, just a whole. Like you're staying in, no light, no dark, nothing, just staying in there. Like, but anyway, um, he served his time. He ended up leaving Mississippi. I think he went back um, to Louisiana. Did another robbery, um, and then in 1989, he did um, a home invasion. And where from that woman, that was the woman he was waiting on on December 24th, 1989. He was waiting at our home on Christmas Eve for her to come home. And, um, he walked around, he ate, he watched TV and then he realized she wasn't coming home for Christmas. So he stole $30, a bottle of whiskey and a 38, uh, revolver. Um, and then, June, he did another home invasion. He stole more handguns and IDs. Um, and then he held up a, a superstore of some kind, Westwood United Superstore. Um, he got a thousand, over $1,000 from that one. And then he stole another one, or he robbed another United Superstore. Um, and then by August... He robbed and stole a man's car. Um, he held up a saving pack. Like he he did do, like you said, um, a bank robbery. I didn't even read about that. I didn't know about a bank robbery. I know he tried to rob somewhere else. Um, and they found him in the woods. um, so he did a lot of like breaking and entering armed robberies. Uh, he had drug possessions, um, burglary, all that. So around, what was it? 1990. Um, let me go back to my notes. Um, so in May, 1990, um, Danny and his dad were in a heated argument. Um, and that's when he shot his dad twice and almost killed him. He shot him once in the stomach and once in the face. And his dad was 58 at the time and lost the um, he lost his ear and an eye in the shooting. So he was blind and deaf and one, one eye and ear after that. Um, and at some point around this time, he did his first murder. I think it was right before he shot his dad. He did his first murder. Um, it was Tom Grissom, his 24 year old daughter, Julie Grissom and her nephew, um, eight year old Sean. They were all killed, um right after Danny lost his last serving job at a restaurant. Um, And they claim that it was in vengeance and anger because he lost his job. So he broke into the home. Um, He killed the father and the eight-year-old son or eight-year-old nephew is what I understand. And then he tied up Julie, uh, raped her, and then he... Posed her on the bed, he he ripped open her stomach uh, with a knife, mm-hmm. and then posed her body on the side of the bed with her legs up um, and her hands on her knees. Um, and this murder didn't go and so- wasn't solved until like right before he was convicted of the next few murders, um, and that was. On November 4th, 1989. So by... Yeah, so he he shot his dad the next year in uh, May. So then on August 24th in Gainesville, Florida, uh, Danny had made his way from Shreveport running because he thought he was going to go to jail over shooting his dad. Um, he made it to Gainesville... And he was running around Gainesville at night. He stole a bike. Uh, he even got stopped by a cop, according to Danny. And he was saying he was trying to go to this party in this neighborhood. And the cop was like, Oh, well, you're way away, son. Like, you, it's, you should be going that way. And he was like, Thank you, officer. And he was like, Get lights for your bike. And he's like, Okay. And he leaves. Um, so in the early morning hours of Friday, August 24th, after this encounter, he knew he was, you know, biding time. So he found this apartment, um, and he could see into the window of a girl sleeping on a couch. So he ended up getting his K bar knife, um, and a screwdriver and trying to break into the door and, I'm so sad that they didn't wake up um, over this because he said it took him like 10 or 15 minutes to break into the door. Um, it Like he tried everything to break in and it eventually popped open um, and Christina Powell was asleep on the couch downstairs and he stood over her and watched her but didn't wake her up so then he went upstairs, where uh, pal, uh Christina's roommate Sandra Larson was sleeping um he he was he goes into detail on this part. he even had the duct tape ready and put on his arm. He had two pieces um so he had like cut off these pieces and everything. So whenever he walked into her bedroom, he had the mask on and the knife drawn and he took out the piece of tape and put it on her mouth. And as she was screaming and trying to fight him, he was holding her so her roommate wouldn't hear her screaming. And then he started stabbing her in the stomach. Um, And he rolled her over and stabbed her in the back too. Uh, so he rolled her back over and he whispered in her ear, I'll come back for you after you're dead or something. Um, and so he went back downstairs covered in blood, holding the bloody knife and he pounced on, um, Christina and she tried to fight him off and he said, just do as I say, or I won't kill you. And she said, but what, what about Sanjo? Uh, what's happened to Sanji?" He said, don't worry. She's upstairs. She's okay. And so then he forced her face down on the floor. He made her strip. He did some really fucked up stuff. I'm not going to go into detail. Um, if you want to read that, it's all in this book. It's really detailed and disgusting. I had to like put it down for a second. Um, but he... He rapes her violently for a while. Um, And then he says, okay, I just want you to roll on your stomach. And she's still tied up at this point. He has duct tape around her wrist, too. Um, So he lays her down on her stomach. And then he just fucking starts stabbing her in the back. And he stabbed her five times in the back. Um, And that eventually killed her. And then he arranged her with her legs spread open, um, took the tape off, um, put her hands in a different way. And then he went up to the bedroom where her roommate was, and he said he tried to rape her while she was dead, but she was too bloody. So he ended up posing her on her bed. And then he went back down And raped Christina again after she was dead. Like multiple times. And then he ended up playing really loud music in the apartment. People said he was playing um, Faith by George Michael. Michael. George Michael.
1: Uh, It is George Michael. And that's sad because I like that song.
2: Yeah, he played that on like repeat and took a shower. He doesn't just... mention that in the book. That's what people say from the case. Yeah, um, I knew
1: it was that he definitely took a shower because um, at most of the crime scenes there was evidence of someone taking a shower.
2: Yeah, like, he did that in the people's homes that he broke into, too. He would take yeah. showers. Fucking weirdo. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of a grifter. He sleeps, he, at this point, he's sleeping in a fucking tent outside of the university,
1: I mean, I don't blame him for taking a shower. I'm just still saying he's a weirdo.
2: Yeah, he's a really (laughs) fucking weirdo. Probably used their loofahs and everything on his dirty dick and shit. Gross, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Ooh, bubble bath. Um, (laughs) So, um, a day later... Like, no one knew this happened. He he left before the sun came up. Um, And then a day later on Saturday... Uh, August twenty fifth, he broke into the apartment of eighteen year old Crystal Hoyt, um, and all of these these were like babies. He killed like freshmen. They were all freshmen, like coming into their first, you know, semester. Uh, the two girls, the previous girls, um, had just met like in the summer semester while staying on campus, and they were going to do big things when they grew up and their lives were cut short and they even locked their fucking doors. Like it, just, it makes me so upset. And then, so he broke into this girl, 18 year old, Crystal Hoyt. Um, she was attending community college cause she wanted to get into the university of Florida afterwards. Um, he ended up prying open the sliding glass door with his K bar knife, which is different than the knife that uh, they use in Scream. He had yes. a, a Marine issued K bar knife, um, yes. which is a little bit shorter than the Buck. What was it? The Buck. Uh, it was a Buck 120 knife. It was a hunting knife. So he used the uh, U.S. Marine Corps fighting knife or K bar knife. Right. Um, so he broke into the sliding glass window, um, or sliding glass door with the screwdriver and the K bar, like he did the first girls, she wasn't home. So he waited in the living room for her to come home. Um, she was living alone at this time cause her previous roommate had moved out. And when she entered her apartment, he, he, uh, surprised her from behind and then placed her in a chokehold and brought her down to the floor. Um, and then when she was on the ground out, he taped her mouth shut and then bound her wrists together. And then he drug her into the bedroom. And he did the same thing that he did to Chrissy. He cut her clothes off. Um, and then he raped her for a while. And then he forced her face down. And then stabbed her in the back repeatedly. Um, Then he decapitated her. Mm -hmm. um, Posed her head on a bookshelf. And then propped up her body to be like sitting on the side of her bed. With her legs up and her hands on her thighs. So it looked like her head was looking at her body. Really perverse, Um, yeah. It's so fucked up, and then uh, at this point, I think they had just found the first two girls. Um, so everyone was pretty scared, and then that night, after he killed um, uh, Christy Crystal Hoyt. Uh, he ended up breaking into Tracy Paul's and no, that was on Monday. Uh, sorry. So at that point, um, the two girls had been found and because the parents were trying to reach them because they were supposed to come by on that Sunday. Um, and so I think it was Sunday morning. They ended up like breaking into the apartment and found their daughter dead. Um, or they saw like there was a, there was a breaking break in or something. Um, and then Krista Hoyt was found by her coworkers cause she was a police dispatcher. Um, so the police actually knew her and she wanted to be like a criminal psychologist or wanted to be a police officer um so they were like hey wait she never misses work she's never late something's not right so they ended up finding her um pose like that so now everybody's like on edge in this small town because it was just a small college town at this point nobody really knew about Gainesville um and so everyone was um like sitting together they wouldn't go home alone um, some people even dropped out of college because it was right at the beginning of the semester in August. So people like were like, no, I'm going to go to a different school. They transferred. I don't blame them. Yeah, I, I would be fucking terrified. Yeah. I mean, Florida also had, you know, uh, Ted Bundy visit another college campus. So mm-hmm. I would just be like, okay, oh, fuck that. Um, so... So around that Monday, that coming Monday, um he, uh sorry, Danny had been eyeing Tracy Paul's, who was a twenty three year old student who was living in an apartment with I think it's her boyfriend, um, Manny Taboada Taboada. Taboada Taboda Taboda Taboada um, Manny, so they were living together. I don't know if they're dating, um, but he had been stalking Tracy, so he broke into the apartment thinking she was alone. But he found uh Manny sleeping in one of the bedrooms, so he ended up tr- trying to stab Manny while he was sleeping. But Manny was like a really big football player. Uh, muscular so he was fighting him off but um, eventually uh, Danny had stabbed him too much and and it killed him so he ended up leaving him where he laid going upstairs Um, Tracy tried to fight him off and he ended up subduing her Um, and she tried to break through a door or something or no he broke through the door of her Mm -hmm. bedroom yeah um he taped her mouth and wrists and cut off her clothes and raped her and then turned her over on her stomach and stabbed her three more times in the back and then he posed her body again like with her legs up and arms open just like he had with the other ones um and All of these women all bore resemblance to his ex-wife. He definitely had a type with petite Caucasian brunettes with brown eyes. Um, And the only one that didn't meet that was Manny. And the first male and child victim from the first time. Uh, But all of his targets were mainly the women um so after this he ended up fleeing um and then he was arrested in ocala on a burglary charge uh because he had broken into a house or something and tried to rob a bank apparently (laughs) it kind of gets muddy at the end because i will be honest i kind of slacked off with that kind of research because I was really into that book even though I hate him so much
1: (laughs) I can see how it would be compelling like your hate
2: compels you to read more yeah no it really I have almost read the entire book in less than 24 hours (laughs) I've done that before yeah and it's like 400 and something pages (laughs) when
1: Goblet of Fire came out for instance
2: (laughs) all that murder and murder stuff All that witchcraft and murder. Just kidding. I mean, (laughs)
1: there. I wouldn't call it mur. Well, yeah, there is murder in that one.
2: Cedric Uh, Diggory dies. Yeah, I forgot about that. I was just joking because I was like, "Yeah, Harry Potter doesn't have murder, but actually, it does in that book." Yeah, it actually (laughs) does. So so just quite a lot of it, actually. (laughs) Yeah, they all get (laughs) slaughtered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, oh, excuse me. Just burped up an IPA. Um,
1: hey, I have one of those with me too.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking stone, delicious IPA. Mm, I'm drinking UFO
1: brand guava lamp, hazy IPA with guava. Ooh,
2: guava lamp. I like that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, so eventually he gets caught, but not for that. Um, he was put in prison for uh, he was wanted for the armed robberies Uh, he robbed a gas station he had a high speed chase he robbed a Winn-Dixie and blah 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 so he was incarcerated on September 8th which was just two weeks after all these murders Um, and it wasn't until january um that they started it was like four months after um that they started seeing similarity with the Shreveport murders, which were the first that first family that was killed, and then the Gainesville murders and somebody actually tipped off the police saying that they thought Danny did it because he said he liked to stab people. And he told her that he was a really bad man. And she ended up like testifying and saying like, I'm pretty sure he did it. Um, And also throughout this time, it was sad because they had targeted another suspect. Um, Oh yeah. This poor guy. I know. And he had, you know, mental illness Um, And he had scars on his face. So people thought he may have killed them. And the scars were from fighting the uh, boyfriend on the last murder. But it was just from a car wreck. And people thought he was really strange. He lived in the same apartment complex as one of the murder victims. I think Krista. So everyone was like pointing towards him. Um, It's
1: kind of like um, the West Memphis Three like, if yeah. you're, like, edgy and different and kind of weird, people assume you're a monster.
2: Yeah, it's exactly what happened to him. Yeah. And, it, like, it ruined his life. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he already struggled with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, like, it's it's just so fucked up. They They zeroed in on him, like, immediately, too. Um, so for, what is it, four months, they were focused on this kid who had, like, nothing to do with it, who just suffered from, like, uh, bipolar or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they ended up tying him to the murder, tying Danny to the murders, uh, like, four months later. Um, and they ended up coming in and, and talking with him, the police, they came in and talked with him. And were describing all these other unrelated crimes that had nothing to do with Danny. And they knew that Danny would confess to, you know, some of the robberies. So they just started saying other robberies that he had nothing to do with. And they said, well, we need your DNA, um to confirm, we need to test your blood to confirm that you're not involved in this. He didn't think he was connected to these murders at all. I was like, sure, here's my blood. And then when they were like, hey, your blood matches the blood and semen of all this shit going on, then that's when he started uh, confessing to stuff. Uh, But he did not confess to the triple murder Until, I think, like, right before he was executed. Um, Because he had denied them. Um, But he did confess by a handwritten confession and apology that he gave to his spiritual advisor right before he was executed. Um, Mm. Because he found Jesus. He found Jesus. A little too late, man. Too little, too late. Yeah, he um, he also had a rotten tooth, and that also connected his DNA because they had to pull it while he was in jail.
1: that um, his breath was awful.
2: Yeah, he had a rotten molar, so they uh-huh. took that out, and they were like, "Yep, definitely him." We have multiple forms of his DNA now. Um. So, at some point around, like, nineteen ninety three, ninety two 92 or something, that's when he started talking with um, the journalist, and, yeah, so they started having a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. She also says in her book, like, this was a real true crime book, but... All the media wants to point out is that I fell in love with a serial killer. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you lost. Because you did, you crazy lady. You lost everyone's respect. Um, None of us respect you anymore. You know, I know love is love. And we've said that at the beginning of this episode, but I don't. That does not pertain to serial killers. This does not pertain to serial killers. You You lose that right. Yeah, and what's way crazy too is that when she was a teenager, um, she actually dated Gerard John Schaefer. Uh, He was the. he was like the first person to ever be deemed a serial killer. Uh, He was an American murderer and suspected serial killer after he committed murders while he was a sheriff's deputy in Martin County, Florida. Um, So he was actually a serial killer, or she dated him when she was like 16 to 18 or something. And then he ended up... uh, Becoming a serial killer. So not one but two serial killers she has dated, so He seemed fine to me. He had a beautiful soul. <laughs> he was really rough in bed, but he was a really great person. <laughs> no, but gross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think she even mentions that, saying that he is very possessive and very controlling in bed. Um
1: I'm sure he was
2: yeah so yeah she uh, she published this book um and he actually confessed to those killings in this book too um and then they were sued by the state of Florida under the son of Sam Law the son of Sam Law but which I didn't know That uh, it was declared unconstitutional. Did you know that? That the son of San Law was? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it says that it was declared um, unconstitutional. I'm sorry, but if you're a serial killer, you should not get to make money
1: off of your sick crimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't know that it was unconstitutional. Um They say that. you neither. I, I don't think it's true. She said it was unconstitutional. I don't know if it's actually. Do, like, I don't think it's
1: seriously. been ruled unconstitutional. I'm pretty sure that's definitely still the law.
2: Yeah, because she was gonna give. um She was gonna give all the money of the proceeds or whatever to his brother or something, and they were saying you, you can't. And she was like, causes a chilling effect in America. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Hmm. I mean when you're make, like making a book describing your crimes and everything and doing all that stuff, like I don't think you should make money off of it, but if you are trying to fight for your freedom or something and describe why you're innocent, I guess you know yeah you could, but there's a thin line there
1: there's been some cases where it's been rolled against. <laughs> Where the son of Sam Law has been struck down. Uh, It was struck down after being used against Barry Keenan, who was one of the men who kidnapped Frank Sinatra Jr. in 1963. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... And New York made some revisions to their version of the Son of Sam law. Well, I guess they were the first one because Son of Sam was in New York City. Uh, the law requires that victims of crimes be notified whenever a person convicted of a crime receives 10000 or more from virtually any source. The law then attaches a springing statute of limitations, giving victims an extended period of time to sue the perpetrator of the crime in civil court for their crimes. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yes. Very interesting. Continue.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't know about the whole son of Sam thing, but I, I know that she did have to pay a lot of money. Um. For Good. that lawsuit. Um. She's very interesting. She's an anomaly. Um, she's a strange lady <laughs> she's very fucking strange uh, this this guy's a sick puppy uh, yes. he, he wrote that book and did a lot of artwork um, and came out with a lot of stuff but he also loves to praise Jesus in this book too so it's sort of like this this sad fucking soul just you know love me my daddy didn't love me why doesn't anybody love me and it's I recommend it. Um, <laughs> I do recommend it. It's, I'll
1: have to read it soon. It's
2: I can't put it down. Um, but I also want to put it down because it's so <laughs> fucking disturbing, and I want to kill him even though he's already dead. Right. Um, he did die by a uh, lethal injection, right? Yes, the lethal injection. Um. And he also said that he wanted to kill as many people as that he served years in jail. Which he served a total of eight years before he was ever, like, caught for these murders, like, together.
1: Well, you've already done it then, dude.
2: So he did it. But he's just a piece of shit. Yeah, totally. I really hate this guy. So, let's
1: talk about uh, what we've done this week and our wrap up. Then, nice. Yeah. So, Morgan, have you, other than reading this book, <laughs> have you watched or eaten anything or listened to anything cool? What have you consumed this week? Hmm. I have been crafting a lot. Yes, you have. I've seen the pictures.
2: Yes. I've been (laughs) crafting a whole lot, which has been fun. Um, I got a big order from Michael's delivered. They didn't have half my shit that I wanted, though. So I did have to go into the store, which is – I hate going into stores right now (laughs) and everything. Totally feel that. But I wore my N95. (laughs) <laughs> didn't want Good. to look at anybody. <laughs> I don't blame you. I was like, ah, hand sanitizer everywhere. I gotta wash my hands. Um, So, yeah, I've been crafting and I have been eating a lot of charcuterie boards. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I feel So like fucking you fancy. Um, Mark and and last... I eat a lot of cheese like that. Oh, God, I love it. Cheese and meats, oh, uh-huh. galore. Um, and we have also been eating a lot of leftovers from Christmas, because I had Christmas all for the first time in several years. Yay. So that was nice. What about Uh, you?
1: What about me? Um, Mark and I went out and ran errands today, and I had a Santa Monica turkey burger from Wegmans. Nice and it was pretty delicious. It had avocado and arugula and green goddess dressing on it.
2: Oh my god, so California.
1: Yeah, it was really tasty though.
2: <laughs> I was
1: thinking like as I ate it that it was very California, but it was it was good. It was tasty. <laughs> I won't I'm not going to lie though. I was like enjoying the flavor of it and stuff and like mid bite looking over and Mark's, like, double bacon burger. And I'm just like, uh, oh, that looks so good.
2: <laughs> While your your lips are, like, bright green. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Um, no got re- a little something in your teeth. <laughs> yeah.
1: No regrets. Um, other than that, uh, we've just been, like, scrounging shit. I think Mark and I ate, like, 20 chicken nuggets yesterday.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah. each?
1: No. Like, all these. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's a whole
2: lot of nuggets. That's like no, a whole chicken. like
1: there was maybe twenty in total. I'm not real you sure. Think that's
2: like a whole chicken. Not at all. <laughs> not even a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, you don't want to know how they make chicken nuggets.
1: Um, yeah, I've uh, I've seen films.
2: Ew. Yeah. Oh. And you know what? I still eat meat. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't eat chicken nuggets. They freak me out. Um, mm, I don't.
1: If I can help it, I'd rather have chicken strips that are like whole pieces of chicken you know yeah um that's what i prefer fried the southern style like that is my guilty pleasure jam
2: Mm.
1: oh yeah and it's hard to find really good southern style chicken strips in new york like that's it's it's a problem i will start a chicken store i'm just gonna start frying my own chicken strips i think
2: yeah sell them on the low low (laughs) <laughs> oh well yeah do you like an underground kitchen those are popping up now cause COVID
1: mm, well there's a bar that's still open across the street so
2: oh sell them there <laughs> no like they make their <laughs> own oh well fuck them
1: <laughs> also if I make really good chicken tenders with like Mike's Hot Honey I'm gonna keep that shit for myself uh... by the way Mike's Hot Honey as a condiment for chicken strips is like The best thing. You're making
2: me want chicken right
1: now. I'm sorry. It's my it's my fucking guilty pleasure. I love it. It's not good for me. I'm not. I shouldn't eat fried foods, but like if I want a guilty pleasure, like don't care. I'm eating fattening things. Like I go. I'm going for the deep fried chicken strips all day.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. I'm so hungry. You can take
1: the girl out the south, but you can't take the
2: south out the girl. Uh, chicken yeah oh hey we forgot to mention the the wall oh yeah you're right tell them i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut off your um imbibery of this <laughs> week you're okay. um but yeah back to the crime um and Gainesville, florida uh so My family, uh, Andrew's family, some of them are from Gainesville, and I asked them about what they thought about uh, Scream and what they thought about, you know, the Gainesville Ripper and everything. Um, They said, you know, it was just a creepy part of history knowing that what happened in that town, but also there's this really cool memorial dedicated to the students who were killed. Um, it's called the 34th street wall. And they said, that's like the first thing you notice whenever you come into the town, even if you, you know, are riding through, you'll see the 34th street wall. It's on the main road. Um, and it actually is very long and there's multiple like art pieces on it. There's murals. There are, um, like graffiti and stuff, and people can do your own thing. You do promposals, stuff like that on there. But there's one section that is dedicated to those five students, and no one ever messes with that. Like That's they'll, really Yeah, they'll keep it updated. They keep it clean, um, and no one ever paints over that. And it's their names, and it's like a big heart, and it says remember them, and it has all their names listed out with hearts on it. And just everyone knows not to ever, you know, mess that one up. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: That is pretty cool. Um, I've already told you the beer I'm drinking and the uh, Moscow Mule that I made earlier. Yes. Um, so that's cool. So I guess I haven't had a lot of just... Exci- oh, the new season of Expan- of The Expanse on Amazon started. What is that? Uh, it's a sci-fi show that is honestly... Well, it started on sci-fi and it is a science fiction television show. But so it centers on this crew and a kind of ongoing like Cold War of sorts between um, Earth, uh, the colonists on Mars and uh, the Belters, who like are people who have grown up on like spaceships and, uh, you know, their bodies have adjusted for zero gravity um, and uh, it's it's super political. There's a lot of uh, political power struggles, and there's also this like crazy particle that um has affected a lot of uh the solar system. I'm not doing it justice. It's a complex plot, but it's season four. I th- no season five that just started. Hmm. There are three, no, four episodes out now, and new episodes are on Wednesday. Um, oh, cool! Yeah. So Mark and I watch that show, and we just we've watched the first three episodes so far. Um. So we've watched that, I guess. And, th- and other than that, I've just been doing research and playing Cyberpunk.
2: <laughs> Heck yeah!
1: <laughs> and doing like daily missions on uh, Fallout seventy six for season three so, oh, so yeah.
2: you're doing Fallout and Cyberpunk? You're just going back and forth. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and I, we uh, we juggle our games, you know. Dang, man, that's talent. I get distracted too easily.
1: Mark will play several
2: games in a day, cause he'll
1: do a few um, like mini- like games of uh, League of Legends with some friends, and then him and Justin will hop on um, their Seven Days to Die server. And then in the morning, uh, he'll probably play like a little bit of Civ Six or Catan. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Mark's not at work, he uh, he just plays a lot of video games, and we just play video games next to each other and talk while we do it. And uh, all I gotta say is the couple of the games together,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or games near each other, um, does pretty well. That's nice. Yeah. That's sweet. It's pretty sweet. Like, we just exist in the same room, and then we don't want to kill each other or anything. It's all that's good. That's
2: great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Um, that's pretty much it. Um. So, next episode, I'm not sure which episode's going to come out first, so either this episode or this other episode so basically it's either orphan 2009 versus the Kurum case will be coming out next or spree 2020 versus the uber killer (sighs) so um it'll be one of those i'm not sure which one we'll do first but both of those will be coming out in january Nice. Oh, next year. <laughs> yeah. So that's this is the last episode of 2020, this terrible year, guys. Oh, we'll see you next year. Can I yeah. do those jokes?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll tell you that terrible dad joke. See you next year. <laughs> yuck yuck yuck. We'll
2: <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oh my god. You sounded like <laughs>
2: Sorry. What's the clown that I'm thinking of?
1: Bozo the clown? You sounded like Bozo the clown.
2: Not John Wayne Gacy.
1: (laughs) I don't think you sounded ridiculous like that. I picture John Wayne Gacy having kind of a deep voice. I don't I don't know what he sounds like at all. I've no idea. I don't
2: either. Are there any tapes? I don't know. (laughs) John. <laughs> clown a <ass>. Gacy
1: interview <laughs> That'll sit on my lap little boys so
2: oh, I'm so sorry <laughs> I don't know what's come over me <laughs> oh
1: my god what's wrong with you <laughs> I don't know
2: what's wrong with me <laughs> the darkness is taking over <laughs> I shouldn't read a book by a serial killer maybe not. <laughs> maybe I should book a therapy appointment. <laughs> 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 oh, next year. Um, I'm so glad 2020 is coming to an end. Um, I was trying to
1: find a sound clip of him talking, but when you go to the video section of Google, it's just a bunch of like true crime, true crime fanatics on YouTube talking about them. oh So basically us but on YouTube. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god, could you imagine us on YouTube? Ugh, it would be so annoying. Mm,
1: yeah, we're uh we're too good for YouTube, okay? I'm just yeah. kidding. Some I'm just kidding. Members. There are totally people that are older than us that have successful um, YouTube channels and stuff. But you know what I've noticed about YouTube stars? What? YouTube stars tend to have more drama than movie stars. Yeah, true. Like, if you're a YouTube star, you're kind of a hot train wreck, You probably have some racist video that you recorded when YouTube first started. (laughs) (laughs) You probably have a video of you crying and apologizing about said video. And you may or may not have some kind of video where you're in blackface. And you also may or may not have a video where you come out in some sort of fashion.
2: This is—is is this one person that you're describing?
1: These are multiple people, and that's what's scary. With the blackface, what the fuck? <clears throat> yeah, I'm. I'm the... I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is a skit that Shane Dawson did. I don't even know these people. I only know this because my roommate that I used to live with was 21.
2: Oh, that's a different. That's a different generation. I don't that's exactly generation. That I don't understand. Cammy is
1: the only reason why I even know who the fuck some of these people are. I would never have known because, for one, I'm not really on YouTube that much, and when I am, it's just Mark and I watching like nerdy science sh- channels.
2: Yeah, mine is like watching um, the pink mushroom on, for five minutes on recording. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? No, (laughs) so great it's like connected to a synthesizer and it's like all these crazy sounds coming out of it it's it's really neat okay no we watch like um that's the shit i watch
1: (laughs) we watch like kurgisat kurgisat how do you sound it it. it's like a science channel that has cute little like um uh, not illustrations, but like cartoons that like uh illustrate what they're talking about, um, oh, like
2: uh salad fingers.
1: <laughs> uh, makes that <laughs> educational and not creepy <laughs> um, and then we we watch like Smarter Every Day, which is this guy named Destin who um lives in Alabama. And he's been doing a series for like six episodes now, where he's on a naval, on sh- a naval submarine, and he's l- like learning cool sciencey stuff about it, like sonar and shit.
2: When you say naval submarines, I can't help but think someone's belly button has a submarine. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's where your brain was going, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> so- Just someone taking a bath, and they're like, (laughs) woo! To
1: be fair, that is normally how my brain works. It just (laughs) envisions things hilariously, literally.
2: (laughs) Yes, that is my brain. Yeah, same. That is my brain on beer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so those are the two subjects that we're going to do. And, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it
2: that's it i guess we should ask people what what should we do um for our next episodes in the future
1: i mean you can tell us
2: yeah i can't guarantee that we'll listen (laughs) yeah just tell us you can not text us um you can email yeah, us not have my phone number you sorry. are not having my phone number <laughs> sorry that's
1: how people get murdered i think
2: yeah like scream <laughs> or stalk yeah yeah we're we've good. all had those moments um just getting stalked not stalking
1: yeah we've we've had actual instances where that's happened to us so we're yeah. like really not cool with it
2: <laughs> yeah we don't want to go into it but don't stalk us um yeah but drop us a line on Facebook or uh, or the IG Instagrams. Um, you could tweet us at Twitter if we still have that going.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Um. um yeah, I still us.
1: I still tweet when new episodes are up. I don't
2: tweet anything other than that, really. But it's you there. Don't tweet like really controversial things and have the whole world hate you. No, if you're looking f- for that, I
1: mean, I think you should just go to the president's um, speech.
2: <laughs> I feel like Twitter is just the the cesspool of society.
1: It really is. Like, more, so, I feel like more so now than, like, 4chan back in its heyday. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, like, Twitter is like all these keyboard warriors that are like, we have to find this person and gut them publicly. And yeah, shame d- their family member, and it's like not even the right person. Yeah, That's Twitter's sad. a hot mess. <laughs> Didn't they like almost kill someone because of they got the wrong person? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. The I'm not uh, aware of this Twitter lynch mob. Yeah, it exists. I hope we never get lynched by the Twitter Twitter lynch mob. Me too. Let's keep a really low profile on Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's let's not go there. Let's not tweet. I mean, to be fair, I literally just tweet the Instagram of the new episode. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. literally all I do.
2: Don't get into Twitter fights. So you'll always lose. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I save my um, fighting for Reddit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice.
1: If I'm going to argue with someone, it's going to be on Reddit. But largely, I just tell people um, tips on Fallout 76 on Reddit, if I'm being honest.
2: Yeah. I don't... I just... Or
1: The Long Dark.
2: dark. (laughs) I can't tell you that.
1: Or horror movies. I talk about horror movies with people on Reddit a lot. (laughs) Just Anna, when she can't sleep at, uh, you know, 3 a.m., talking about the merits of the loved ones. (laughs) (laughs) This is my brain.
2: (laughs) I love your brain, Anna.
1: Thank you. All right, so bye.
2: Bye.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,